And in Matthew 13, Jesus tells this parable, and he talks about four different kinds of soil. And I'm not, I, don't have, I don't have time to do the other three types. But, but the, the, the third type of soil, Jesus says about it that, that, that the seed gets sown, and it takes root, and it starts to go, and then the thorns choke it out. So, so in other words, these people are good people. They're, they're great people. Uh, they, they just can't seem to get the truth of God's word to stick. And, and the reason is not because they're stony. And the reason is not because they don't understand. Like these are people who understand that Jesus' way is the best way for their life. They know what to do, they just don't do it. Or they do it for a time and, and then it gets choked out. The life of it just gets choked out. It, it, where do you find yourself in that story? Do, do you find yourself sometimes, people, people have tried to preach that and say, oh, these kind of people are bad people and these kind of people are good people. And that's not the point at all. I mean, Jesus, when he explained the parable, he said the hard ground are people who don't understand the ways of God in that area. I mean, have we ever been there? Of course. Has anybody ever preached something to you and you went, I've never thought about that before? That means before that day, you didn't know. You didn't have the revelation of it. So we've all been there. Has anybody ever been stony? I mean, has anybody besides me ever had a point in your life where you hear something, you get all excited about it, you make all these promises to God, but it has no roots, so then it dies off? We've all been there. Good-hearted people are there. And in the thorny ground, it actually takes root, starts to blossom, everything's going good, and then the thorns choke it out, choke it out, and then, of course, the good ground. We've all been all there, but I want to talk to you tonight about the thorns and about in leadership, are we choking he, he, Jesus, interestingly enough in this story, he doesn't give them bullet points or solutions. He just says, let him who has ears, let him hear. In other words, if you're willing to do the work in this area, there's an overcoming that's available to you. Um, the kingdom of God demands that we wrestle with things. His disciples get frustrated in this story, and they say, why do you speak to some parables? Just tell us what the deal is. So in Matthew 13, verse 22 it says this, he explains the thorns. And he says, the seed falling among the thorns refers to people who hear the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word out of him, making it unfruitful. So, so Jesus says that, that two things, two things cause good-hearted people where the word of God starts to take root in their life, two things keep good-hearted people from the thing taking root. It chokes it out, and that's the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth. Do you find yourself in there? <laughs> Do you find yourself in there? The worries of this life, the word worry in the Greek language is something that causes us to split. It causes us to split. In other words, I'm here, but I'm actually there. That, that I'm here with you preaching, but my mind is thousands of miles away on a problem I have. The worries of this life. That, that I'm, 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 I, I, don't, I don't have um, young kids, but like if I was to, how many of you have ever been playing with toys with your kids, but your head was on how are you going to pay the bills? Split split. It's the worries of this life. I, I'm here. Have you ever been out on a date with your spouse and to have quality time with just you and them and you spend your whole time talking about the worries with your kids? The worries. 
of this life. It, it's I'm here, but I'm actually there and there and there and there and there and there and there. The, the word anxiety or worry means anything that causes you to split or anything that keeps you from being fully present. Or, or l- let me just say it succinctly, it's the failure to be here. It's the failure to be here. If you're sitting doubtlessly in a room this size, somebody is sitting here tonight receiving pretty fresh teaching in the Word of God, but yet their mind is somewhere else. They're here, but they're actually there. It's a failure to be here. Jesus says the worries of this life, the worries of this life will keep the Word of God from taking root in your life. It's something that chokes your, your, your life out. I, I, I was convinced that the other one is the deceitfulness of wealth. The, the deceitfulness of wealth. See, the worries of this life is I, I, I'm worshiping, but my mind's on my money. I, I, I'm here, but I'm actually in four different other places. I'm split apart. Uh, the, the deceitfulness of wealth is a lie that's future oriented. It, it, it says this, if I could just get to some place, then I would be really living. It's pushing for something that never quite shows up. It's pushing for something. Has anybody besides me, when you get pay raises, you think, I've arrived, and then it doesn't take long, and you haven't. I, I remember when, when my first ministry job, I was making 500 a month, my first ministry job. I was like, yeah, I could afford a new car. <laughs> 500 a month, I was living real cheap and whatnot. And, and, then, and then my first, my first full-time ministry job out of college, they, they, they paid me like 23000 a year. I don't know what that is, like maybe 400 a week or something. And, um, and, 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 and I was like, man, I've arrived. And then, of course, after that, it's like, man, I need to make 40. And, and, then, and it wasn't until like 2004 that I ever made $40,000 in a year as a pastoral staff somewhere. And then when I, made, when I got that pay raise, I was like, whoa, oh, man. <laughs> and then you start, you enjoy that for a while, and then you think, what could I do with 60? And then you make 60, and then it's, what could I do with 80? And then you make 80, and then what could I do with 100? And then you, what could I do with 200? And then what could I do with a quarter million? And, oh, what, what if I made 500,000? And then, oh, to the point where the deceitfulness of wealth, you have people in this world who are worth $60 billion and they still go to work every day to make more. The deceitfulness of wealth. It's a lie that says, if I had this, I would be happy. Has, 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 um, has anybody besides me ever been convinced that you had to have something and then you bought it and six months later you saw it hanging in your closet and you wondered why you bought it? Matter of fact, maybe the tag was still on it. There's people in this world with nothing to wear, and we have clothes in our closets with tags still on them. It's the deceitfulness of wealth. It's the deceitfulness. And essentially, the worries of this life is a failure to be here. The deceitfulness of wealth is a failure to be now. It's a failure to be content it's always pushing for something else that doesn't happen. If you've ever made 40 and pushed for 60, and then you made 60, you know that 60 didn't do what you thought it would do. 
If you've ever made 60 and pushed for 100 and you made it, you know it didn't do what you thought it would do. If you ever had 100 and pushed for 200 and you made it, it didn't do what you thought it would do. Now, now, now let, me, let, me, let me say this. Money can't buy happiness. But in a sense, people who really believe that don't know where to shop. <laughs> let, me, let me explain what I mean by that. Um, if you're going to struggle, struggle with money or struggle without money, go with the with money side of it. Okay? But what Jesus is saying is, is that there's a contentment. Jesus wants to make us wealthy stewards. He does. He wants us to be wealthy stewards. Not rich men, wealthy stewards. Two totally different things. And we're going to talk about that Sunday night. Sunday night is going to be unbelievable. We're going to talk about the rich man and Lazarus. It's the only time in Jesus' whole ministry that he used the word Hades in terms of somebody going there. We need to deal with that. We're going to talk about the rich man and Lazarus. But Jesus wants to make us wealthy stewards. He's not against that. But this is about the heart attitude that always has to have more. It's a failure to just sit back and say, look at what God's blessed me with. I'm so content now. The worries of this life is a failure to be here. When's the, is, is there anybody in the room that I'm talking to right now? Is, is there anybody in the room who can't remember the last time you could be fully present in a situation? Because no matter what you were in, you were always thinking about something else because of the worries of this life. Does it stand to reason then that that's why the word of God cannot take root in our hearts because of the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth. Is Jesus nailing it or what? Jesus gave this message 2,000 years ago and it's still true today. The worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth keep us from God's best. Have you ever popped off in anger? And when you were confronted on your behavior, you said, yeah, but I was just stressed out. The worries of this life kept you from God's best. Have you ever made a rash decision that had horrible consequences to it? And when you were confronted on it, you said, yeah, but you don't understand the pressure I was under, the worries of this life, and the deceitfulness of wealth. We could give example after example after example, but what's the answer? There's a lot of answers. There's a lot of answers. I just want to give you one. And this is in no way a complete answer. This is just one answer that helps, and that answer is Sabbath. Sabbath. Jesus said this, Sabbath was made for people, not people for the Sabbath. Let me, just, let me just tell you some things about Sabbath. To argue about which day of the week it is misses the point. To make it a day of no fun misses the point. To make it a day of rules to keep misses the point. To make it a day that puts guilt or condemnation on somebody misses the point. Let no one judge you by days or moons or festivals. No, no, no. But the principle of Sabbath is absolutely necessary to save our life. It will save our life. Will God love you more or love you less? Absolutely not. It has nothing to do with it. It has nothing to do with condemnation. It has nothing to do with guilt. It has nothing to do with it. It has to do with basic rhythms that God built into creation. That, that there is a six-in-one rhythm built into creation. God did, the animals do. There's a recent zoological study that said animals in zoos, they took a group of animals in the zoos and they put them out for six and then hit them for one and let them rest. And then they took this other group and they just put them out every day. And the group they put out every day actually got sick. There's a six in one rhythm to creation. God built it into that. 
Um, the, the truth is, is that we're addicted to accomplishment, achievement, and action. We're addicted to it. It, 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 it releases something in our brain. You realize we can be addicted to anything. We can be addicted to stress. We love being stressed out. And the reason we love being, even though we say we hate it, we actually couldn't do without it because it releases something in our brain that we like the feeling of it. Let me prove it to you. Take a Sabbath. Take a Sabbath. And then by 2 o'clock in the afternoon, pay attention to how you feel. You feel horrible. You feel horrible. And you say, oh, this thing doesn't work. No, it does work. Your body's detoxing from the chemical being released in your brain that's used to being stressed out. We can be addicted to anything. I knew a guy once, he'd sleep, he'd sleep 10 to 12 hours a day, and when you'd ask him how he was doing, he'd still say he was tired. Why? He was addicted to that feeling. You like it. There's something that happens. There's something about action, accomplishment, stress. We, we, we love it, and we feel like we're a failure if we're not a part of it. So if you take a Sabbath just to do it, we'll be depressed because we miss the rush. When we take a Sabbath for the reason God wants us to, it saves our lives. Let me just give you a couple definitions of the Sabbath, Hebraically, okay? Let me just give you a couple definitions of the principle of Sabbath. The Sabbath was a day for you to get the energy you need for the other six days. That's what it was meant for. It, it, it activates the six-in-one rhythm that God built into creation. N- number two, the, the Sabbath was a day for God to mend and put us back together that which was broken. In other words, God instituted a time, one day in seven, that was just for him and his bride. Remember the whole thing was about a wedding? Remember that? I can't re-preach it, but the whole thing was about a wedding. Where is bride? And God's way of keeping his marriage together was one day in seven. It's just you and your bride, you and your spouse, sorry, you and your bridegroom. And seven times a year, one day in seven and seven times a year. Those were the festivals. That was how God kept his bride strong. It was, it was one day in seven that you could come to God and say, God, the last six days produced this much brokenness in my life. Fix me so that I don't go into the next six days and get more and more broken. It, it was a day of complete honesty with God. Openness. No hiding anything. Because you can't get healed if you're hiding something. So, so, so it was the day that you could come and say, God, in the last six days, I took this many bumps. This person said this to me and it angered me. My, my father, he's struggling with this and, and it makes me angry. Th- this, my, 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 um, my co-worker said this to me and it hurt me. My child did this. Listen, this is broken. Lord, these are my broken pieces. I give them to you. Please put me back together. It was a day of complete honesty with God. I love this one. I love this definition. This is so cool. That, that the Hebrew boys would say this, Dad, why is this day unlike any other? So a Sabbath was a day unlike any other. So in other words, um, let, me ask you, let me ask you this way. Do you have one day in seven that is unlike the other seven days? Do you have one day in seven that is unlike any other? And if you do, how is it different? Let's get right down to the nitty-gritty. Um, what day of the week do you not check your email? Uh, what, what day of the week do you put your list away? What day of the week can I not get in touch with you? What day of the week do chores not matter for that day? Like, 
Um, does it, it, Sabbath was a day that you reminded yourself that he is God and you are not. It was a day where you pretended like your work was done even if it isn't. And let me say it this way. Sabbath was a day where you were freed from the slave driver of things to do. If you ever tried it, once again, I won't like you any more or any less, whether you do or don't, and neither will God. I'm just saying it'll save your life. If you ever tried it, you would not believe how addicted we are to our lists of things to do. How addicted we are to the internet. How, how addicted we are to feeling like we're needed. And there's something so healthy about one day in seven that reminds us that he is God and we are not. And the world will still keep going around even if my little list doesn't get done. And there's so much pressure on us when we don't see it that way. Because the only other way to see it is if my list doesn't get done, then this won't and this won't and oh and I, oh. And then we get into the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of Welch, which chokes the word out of our life. Um, um, Sabbath is a way to live differently. To, to, to live differently for one day, just one day, to remind yourself that God's in charge and you're not, and, and this whole thing's going to be okay because he's God and we're not. To, to live differently, to live a different way is counterproductive. Um, tell me, if I was to ask you to tell me about the rhythms in your life, uh, Ecclesiastes 3 says to everything there's a season, there's a time, there's time to be born, a time to die, a, 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 a time to preach, a time to watch Rambo. Um, there's a time to pray and a time to play golf. <laughs> there's, there's a time to counsel and a time to fish. That's your thing. There's, tell me about the rhythms in your life. Because, listen, if you get stuck in one rhythm, then you're boring. You're boring. And, and listen, if, if you, this, this is all of us now, if you get thrown into a tizzy, you know what a tizzy is? If you get thrown into a tizzy with one interruption, you often miss God's best. In other words, we get so focused on our list and our things and this kind of thing to do that one little interruption causes us to be stressed out. And so we call and we say, how are you going? Oh, I'm stressed out. Why? Well, I had my day going and then such and so interrupted me. And, that, and like, yeah, but what did God show you in that? Oh, I don't know. I'm just so stressed out. You know, some of the best miracles of God came in an interruption. The, the, the tassels. Remember the lady with the issue of blood? Was she in Jesus' plan that day? No, where was he going? Jairus' daughter. The lady with the issue of blood interrupted him. And actually, because of her interruption, the girl died before Jesus got there. And it was still okay. Some of the greatest miracles in Jesus' life came in interruptions. If an interruption ruins us, we miss the reacclimation of a new rhythm God is calling us to. That sometimes Sabbath, what it does is it backs us up and it reminds us that God is in charge. And if he brings something new into my life, well, blessed be the name of the Lord. Mm.
So, so let me just apply this in some very simple ways. Number one, who are the most important people to you? Who are the most important people to you? If you just take a second and just write out some names, there should be only four or five names, unless you have eight kids. If you have eight kids, please write all their names. I'd hate for one kid to see another's on there and he didn't make the list. And then they come and see me and it's like, oh, and they're stressed because of it. Yeah, they're all worried. Yeah. Who are, the, who are the most important people to you? And either write it down or make mental assent to who they are. Who are the most important people to you? Take time and think about that. The most important people. If you're married, yeah, it should be that person. <laughs> yeah. If you're writing your kids' names down before your husband, yeah, problem. Hmm. Who are the most important people to you? And, and then just be honest. There's no reason not to be honest. It's just you and God. Are they getting your attention first? What percentage of your energy are they getting? Or are you caught in your list and the very people who need your most attention because they're the most important actually get the least energy? And then everything, everything goes to custard and we wonder why. And it's not that anybody's a bad person. It's just the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth. Number second question, what is the most important thing to you? Let me say it this way. What are you called to be? What are you called to be? And is that getting your attention first? Like, let me give you an example of what I mean by this. Um, Have you ever talked to somebody and you say, what would you like to do? Uh, Would you like to snow ski at Queenstown? And feels, oh, I'd love to go snow skiing at Queenstown. I just haven't had time in the last three years. It's like, What? Three, and you got money. I mean, they got money. They're gainfully employed. They could afford to do it. They just can't find the time in three years. Are you kidding? The worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth. Do what is the most important. Let, let me ask it this way. If you were to move tomorrow, what would you keep? If you had to box your whole house up tomorrow, what would you keep? What would you sell? What would you give away? What would you throw away? If you were to move tomorrow and do those things, why haven't we done it today? What are we holding on to? The worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth. Everything we keep in our house that doesn't belong there takes energy. So what are we giving energy to today that is taking energy away from the most important things? If... If I looked at your list, I'm not going to, but if I looked at your list at the most important people in your life and the thing you're called to do, if you take that list, and only you can do this, take that list, and then look at your calendar, look at your diary, look at your schedule, does your schedule reflect that list? And if it doesn't, you're choking. The worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth have got you. And it's choking the word of God out of a good-hearted person's life. Can I, can, I, can I give you just like one exercise to do? 
This is like so cool. And if you were in my office, it would cost you $120 an hour. But this is free. <laughs> Everybody's got their piece of paper? I want you to take, this is going to be so, this is like part of our altar call. Like if you're like really spiritual and you need to think of it as an altar call, think of it that way, okay? But this is part of the altar call. The altar call starting, okay? Let me just get holy, okay? Altar call starting, all right? Here's form and function, yeah. No, okay. Um, I want you to take your piece of paper. This is so therapeutic. This is going to help you so much. And I just want to deal with the worries of this life. The deceitfulness of wealth is something that takes some time to develop, but the worries of this life. I want you to take a piece of paper, and nobody's going to see this but you. No one's going to see it but you. Matter of fact, you can get a clean piece of paper, and when we're done, you can tear it up and throw it away, okay? But this is going to give you a chance to be totally open with God and really deal with some emotions inside, okay? I want you to take five minutes, and I want you to list out everything you're worried about right now. Don't think too hard. Man, some of you are writing fast. Good Lord. I'm only kidding. The worries of this life. What are you worried about right now? Right now. Money, bills, marriage. Whether your dad likes you or not. Whether Cooter Montgomery at work thinks you're doing a good job. What are you worried about right now? Where does the worries of this life have a hold? Please don't think of this as admitting you're wrong or something like that. This is just getting in touch with an emotion that you might not have touched. The worries of this life is such an important emotion. It's the first thing Jesus mentions is what keeps the word of God out of our life. Where are you worried? <laughs> worried. And if you've if you've done a lot of work around this, maybe you're okay. And that's okay. It's okay. Maybe a way to identify it is when you're here, but you're actually there, what is there? You know, for pastors sometimes, sometimes I'm in one place and I'm already thinking about what God needs to do in the next. That's worry. God can handle that. He's like really big and I'm really small. I'm a really small shot, and a big shot lives in me. Now, now I want you to take your list, and below that list, I want you to write two columns. First column is things I can do something about. Things I can do something about. And the other list is things I can't do anything about. Now, 
look through your list, look through the list you just made, and, and, and categorize it either category one or category two. Category one is things I can do something about. Like, for instance, if you're worried about finances and you don't have a job, get a job would be something you could do something about. Wow. <laughs> that just broke the tension. That's good. Things you could do something about and things you can't. Now, for those things you could do something about, let me just go Joyce Meyer on you for a second, okay? Shut up, quit complaining, get off your behind, and do something about it. Make a plan of action, put that plan of action into place, and go and do likewise. And if you can't make a plan of action, go sit with someone who can help you make a plan of action, put that plan of action into place, and go and do likewise. That's, the Joyce, that's my best Joyce Meyer impersonation. Or... I could go Joel Osteen on you. You're a champion. God loves you. You don't let that list get in your head and get you all negative. You tell that list to go on back to hell where it came from. Me and Victoria, we was talking the other day about what daddy you say about y'all. And he wouldn't tell you to worry about your list. He'd tell you to do something about it. Think positive and be a champion. If the worries of this life fall under the category of something you can do about it, then do something about it. Don't sit around. Don't let me come back next year and you have the same list of the stuff you can do something about. Man, do something about it. And if you don't know what to do, go sit with somebody who does. I promise you there's somebody. And do something about it. Now, on the other side, are the things you can't do anything about. This would include any worry you have that involves the actions, behaviors, and emotions of another person. They're responsible for them. This involves any worry you have about approval from somebody else. This involves any worry you have about a need that you have that only somebody else can meet. This involves any of those things. With the things that you can't do anything about, oil prices. The price of milk going so high that you can drink bourbon cheaper than you can drink milk. <laughs> hmm. I mean, just for financial reasons, mothers could be giving their kids whiskey. <laughs> it's cheaper than milk. This would include all of those things, everything that you can't do anything about. Here's what I want us to do. And we've had a lighthearted moment, but, and I'm glad because God wants us to be lighthearted. But I can tell you this, that for most of us, some of us, we might have worked this out, and that's great. But for most of us, we need to have a holy moment with God. And we need to repent 
for the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choking God's best out of us. I mean, anybody besides me need a moment with God with that? We need to take a stand in faith against the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth and just say, you can't have my life one more day. You're choking God's best out of my life and I am taking a stand right now. Maybe we need to take the other side of that list and we need to have a holy moment with God and have a Sabbath and just say, you know what? I'm taking a Sabbath from worrying about these things and I'm taking a permanent vacation from worrying about the other because I'm going to do something about it. But for this side of the list, Lord, you are God and I am not. And I'm tired of choking. I don't want to choke one more day. I want your best. I want your word to take root. And I want your best to come through my life. And it is so freeing. And the pressure's off for me to let you know that you're God and you're going to have to handle this. And I'm not talking about some cliche, just leave it with Jesus. I'm talking about the feelings and the emotions that you would feel if all of that anxiety was off of you now. So if there's like, um, Mr. Salman, um, if there's like a Terry McCallum or something CD back there, I'd give you no warning on this. And if there's not, don't worry about it. But like, I don't want you to put on any rock and roll or anything. Um, that come later, you know. Back in black's not appropriate right now. Um, but here's what I want you to do. I want us to take, I'm ending early tonight, and I ended early for this reason. I want us to take from now to the end of the night, whenever God's done, and I want us to have a holy moment with God where we stand in faith and say the word of God will take root in my life because I am going to stand against the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth. We need to repent for it. Um, if, how many of you were here when I talked about the tassels? Okay. If you weren't, I'm very sorry. I don't have time to re-preach it. But maybe some of you need a moment around the tassels. Maybe some of you need to come up here, and I'm one of them. And we need to kneel or whatever, or just stand. And we need to remind ourselves that God's way is the best way for my life and that my life is covered in the word of God, the name of God, the ways of God, the grace of God, and the nature of God. Sometimes, I don't wear these tassels, but sometimes they mean so much to me. Like there's been, it normally is in my closet. There's been times where I was so worried about something and I went into my closet to get dressed and I was trying to decide what shirt to wear and I looked up and the tassels were pointed out and it just reminded me, God is God and I am not. There's been times where I thought I was going to have a stroke from the anxiety that had come over me over something. And my head was rushing. My face was flushed. I was all flustered. I didn't know what to do. And I walked in my closet. And this was hanging out. And I reminded myself, God is God. And I am not May the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth never rob me of God's best.
So he's going to put this CD on. And what I'm going to do, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be up here, and the pastors of this church are up here. And maybe you need a moment with God on your own, and that's great. Maybe you want somebody to pray for you, and that's fine. Maybe you need a moment with the tassels. But I don't want anybody leaving because if you're okay with this, then I want you to spend some time praying for somebody else because we're in this thing together, man. And how many of you can agree with me tonight that we will take a stand tonight against the things that choke our life? We repent. Well, let's just go to the Lord now with some repentance. Lord, we repent for... Um, allowing the things that choke our life, the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth. Lord, I repent for letting those things be Lord. I repent for letting those things dominate my thoughts. Forgive me, Lord, for every time I've been here but actually there. Forgive me, Lord, for the deceitfulness of wealth, for constantly pushing for something that doesn't come. Lord, we repent for that. We change our thinking, and Lord, we look at our list, and we tell you this is stuff we can't do anything about, and we leave it with you. Truly, in our emotions, we leave it with you. Lord, we repent for the feeling of worry and what it does to our faith. We own it. We repent for it. We stand against it together. We stand against any spirit that comes against our mind, that tells us worry is the best way for life. No, we stand against it. We stand against the deceitfulness of wealth. Now, I'd like you to play that CD now, and I'd just like to open this altar up to whoever would like to come down and have your moment with the tassels or have your moment at this altar. I can tell you there'll be an anointing around this place, and you'll leave whole maybe we need to commit to taking a Sabbath to the principle of Sabbath reminding ourselves that he is God and we are not so I would just invite you now to, to come down or to, uh, to walk around this place whatever you need to do I want you to have a holy moment with God the tassels are here for you I'm up here for you if you need prayer anything like that I'd like to open this altar up now you can come now I'd like to open this altar up now to anybody who would like the ministry of the Lord. Lord, you're the best.
paying attention you can really sense a strong presence of God in here he's dealing with those emotions that come from the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth things that choke our life out he's just dealing with those things he's setting people free they can leave free to have the word of God take root in their life We leave tonight with that Lord. Just let that presence keep flowing thicker and thicker and thicker. That feeling of the presence of God. Let it just rush through this place now. Through every person from the top of their head to the soles of their feet. I reach into that now. And I ask that you'd flood this place with your presence. Oh, there it comes. Yes, Lord. You just let that presence flood this place.
I just love the sweetness and the gentleness of the Holy Spirit and how his presence takes painful things like these sometimes and he just deals with them and sets us free. In a position of faith, Lord, we stand now with you. We stand against these things. and We proclaim ourselves kingdom people. Yeah, we live your way. Let the word of God take root in good soil in our heart. May the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth die off of our ground. Would you just weed it out? Weed it out, Lord. Pick the thorns out. Lord, I say to you, please do that in my life. I submit my heart to you. Tell you I love you with everything I am. And I want your best for me. Let this take hold. Yeah. I can walk this road alone. In my heart, I need you. You can just feel the presence of God doing things in people. I don't want to do much until God's done with that. So just let God settle over you. Let that presence saturate you all the way down. Feel the freedom. What would you feel like if you could feel that tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next? What would you feel like if you were as free tomorrow from the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth as you are right now? What would that be like if your life was defined by it? Lord, I pray that you bless us tonight. 
that you would mark us, let us mark this in the spirit tonight as a moment where we know that we're empowered over the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth. Free us, Lord, for the principle of Sabbath, to know that you are God and we are not. In Jesus' name, amen. For those of you up here having your moment with God, I want you to stay right in that moment. For the rest of us, I'd like to say a sincere thank you for letting me be your guest all week. I love this church. I love this place. I love your pastor. It's one of the great churches in the world. Thank you so much for letting me be a part of your life for a week. I look forward to being back next year and let's do it all over again with some fresh stuff and just keep challenging ourselves to be kingdom people, people who walk with God. I trust that you're so blessed and changed. I bless you tonight to walk out of here knowing that the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth have no place other than the place you give it. And we will stand against it. God bless you real good. I hope to see you Saturday at some, the men's event and Sunday. For those of you having a moment with God, you stay as long as you need. The tassels are here. I don't want to disturb that, but I'll turn the dismissal over to Pastor Mike now. Don't forget, uh, on the weekend, got a men's event. Please feel free to come along to that. Sunday morning, 10 o'clock here. Sunday night, 6 o'clock. Shane will be ministering again. So do come. Just... Uh, there's still tapes and resources you can buy. Take them and let the Word of God get around your heart. But uh, just even what's happened tonight, just don't get involved in too much else. Just go home and just dwell and reflect. And uh, keep going back to that place of surrender. And uh, what happens, the more we go back into the experience we've had where we were touched by God, the more it is reinforced in our life, the easier it becomes to go there. And uh, it's, it becomes very easy then to just rest in His presence because we've practiced it. Amen. So praise the Lord. Thank you very much for coming. We've had a great night. Thank you for Dot and all the team that did all the suppers. We just appreciate that so much too. So God bless. Have a fantastic weekend.